Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to be giving our state of the farm address, see where things stand in agriculture. In our spotlight, we'll take a look at Growmark acquiring Allied Seed. Ag History Minute, we're going to talk about ethanol. And our cool beans, that's corny. We'll have some feel. I am almost screwed that up. Worse than it actually did. We'll have some current events and we'll wrap things up with our Field Good Friday. With me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey guys. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. Brain was moving faster than the mouth on that one. It was like, <laughs> Field Good Friday. Like, I didn't even finish the cool beans. That's corny part. Just that excited. Just that excited to talk so about get right to it. the Chiefs versus Eagles Super Bowl that we are now in with. Mm-hmm. I mean, that the 49ers-Eagles game was quite a game, in not in a good way. <laughs> like, have, have you guys, I'm sure, Bill, you listen to Sports Talk Radio all the time. Yep. The conspiracy theories of how it was rigged and, like, there was, are they talking about that at all? I've seen, like, um, I forget who it was now, but basically one of the old... Guys from the '90s said that every Monday he got a script of what, what the what it should be for that week, like so that he was saying it's scripted. But yeah, and it's I I find it kind of funny. Like that, it's a lot of moving pieces to try to like you have to have so much buy-in and so many moving pieces that everyone's just not talking in, with 32 teams, yeah. 53 man rosters in each team. Not not mentioning coast. Coaching staff, referees, like, and no one ever talks. Is it the mob or is it the NFL? I mean, come on. Could be. Yeah, the amount of people you'd have to have in is just phenomenal to believe, you know, to believe that. Right. It's kind of like last week it was uh, that DeMar Hamlin was a body double. Yeah, I heard that one too, yeah. Do you know how many people would have to be involved to work that through? He he actually died and they brought back. (laughs) It's a a body double now, yeah. It makes no sense. (laughs) I do think watching the Chiefs game, the refs are in on the fix, though, of something. <laughs> that was wild. Just like every call went the Chiefs' way. Well, and then the one and where they like redid the play after they stopped them on third that down. Was weird. I've never I seen mean, it that. ended up not really affecting the game because the, re, the redo of the play, they stopped them again. But it was the biggest question all week was did that guy push him out of bounds or not? Like, was that a flag or not? Well, Mahomes, Mahomes slopped, but right? You still can't do with that. Like the guy should have just hugged Mahomes and held sure. him up almost. Like you just you can't push a guy. You can't make like that mistake. Yeah, this, you can't. Play day and age. If it's a quarterback, you got right. It's got to be kid gloves. Got to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just can't do that kind of stuff. He's anymore. even wearing the red jersey like they're used yeah, to. Right. <laughs> like, don't just, touch red. Yeah. And if you look at the sidelines, because it happened on the Bengals sidelines, all the f- players and the coaches on the sidelines were like. What are you doing? Yeah. Like they saw it happen in real time going, we're screwed. It was kind of like something you see more in baseball than football during the uh, Eagles Niners game when they cleared the benches and Did you see that part? No. Pretended they were going to fight. Right. Well, two, uh, two guys did get ejected because one, one threw a punch. I think it was Eagle guy. Niners guy like slammed somebody down, and then an Eagles guy threw a punch. It's like, yep, they're both gone. I've always thought it's one of the dumbest things in the world. Swing at a guy's head with a helmet right. on. Right. You're just going to break your hand. Yeah, tough guy. Real smart. 
I've always, I've always laughed about that. At least in hockey, they stripped all the pads off before they start <laughs> punching. That's mighty. <laughs> I can tell you, I was in one scrap ever playing football, and I ripped a kid's helmet off first. I was smart enough to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep, got to get the helmet off, man. You can't just punch them in the face mask. All you do is break your hand. Right. You, you get the raw end of that deal. I think it's going to be a good game, though. I just, man, the Eagles, I don't know. It's something about them. They, they feel like they got it. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how healthy Patrick Mahomes is. He's been he was limping, limping around pretty good. He's got he an extra week off really here, good but limping, right? Like he was still impressive, and even that run at the end. I mean, right. It's like when he needed it, it, seemed like it was still there. But yeah, they're hopefully he can heal up and because yeah, you're dealing with two pretty high power offenses there. That could be quite a game. Here's the nice part: we don't have anybody in the game. But we can cheer for both sides. It's not like Brady's out there and you got to boot. Like, you know what I mean? There, well, you it, can you can pick either side of this. And Nindama can sue is yeah. on the Eagles. That's the downside. Well, meh. for me anyway. I, I agree. I don't like, but it is a game. Where at least if either wins, I'm not going to be upset. Right? No, there are not, Super Bowls I where really I am know. like we. The Packers aren't in it, and I still. I'm very, very heavy leaning for one side. And this one, I don't, I mean, you could say scumbag Philly fans, whatever. Yeah. I actually kind of enjoy scumbag Philly fans. <laughs> I think it's funny. But they have to grease the light poles. Yeah, yeah. greasing the poles. Was, yep. I was listening on the radio, and that was one of the best calls was Harlan did. And he's like, the poles have been greased for two weeks, <laughs> and they're going to the Super Bowl. So, so I, that makes it fun. I mean. Can you imagine if it was like Eagles Bills, those two fan bases? Yeah. How crazy that yeah. would get. Just the amount of tables that Right, would tables would be broken, poles would be greased. Yeah. Hide your women and children. Hide your kids, hide your wife. Mahomes is so likable. And Jalen Hurts, you know, the last time we saw him play in a championship game, he got benched, right? Or got came off the bench and won the championship. I don't remember exactly how that went down. That was in college or yeah. something? Yeah, to a yeah, when he got sure. benched for Tua, in the he got benched for Tua, and Tua got hurt in the championship game, mm-hmm. and Hurts had to come off the bench and win a national championship. Right? I think so. I think it's that's, been a while. That's how that went down. So I like cheering for him. You got two Badgers, one on each team. Yep. Yep. Linebacker, you. Yep. Yep. Got a linebacker on both teams. So either way, Badgers linebacker getting a Super Bowl ring. It's pretty cool. Unfortunately, it'll be a week here without football. But then, what? Or are they are they doing the Pro Bowl ahead of a time? Or well, there's no there's no Pro, Pro Bowl, Bowl game this year. That's right. not even real football. No, I know. Yeah, they're just doing like the chi- the. Sp- chi- they are gonna have a flag football game. Yeah, right. They're going which, back to the flag football thing, which, which they did is, for a couple of years. Which is what they do anyway. So yeah, right. It I, might as well be flag football when they're in pads. I actually had fun. Like I think some of the I like the old videos from the Pro Bowl from the QB skills contest. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. I get a kick out of those. Yeah, so I don't that know. was like yeah, Favre and. Manning. Manning and but those guys. I remember like Elway Pepper when he was yeah. first coming. Yeah. could do so. I was like, wow. Um, the only the only kind of issue I have here is uh, like Huntley from Baltimore, the backup. Yeah, who threw two touchdowns and three interceptions. That was his stats for this year. Is in the Pro Bowl. So, well, you it just is, trickled is, down as the <laughs> as the numbers Sunday, come out. Two o'clock on Sunday. It's is this Sunday? Yeah. Okay, so there is technically. Football adjacent happening this week before actual football next week. 
But you can watch the Senior Bowl too. That's on Saturday, right? Yeah. Been watching. I've been watching uh, clips from practice this week. Keanu Benton is just ripping it up. Yep. From what I've been seeing, he's, he's having a really good torching everybody. Which is good because his stock dropped quite a bit with how yeah. the season went. And I don't know that it was entirely his fault. No. What we can say is, and this is a completely off topic other than the fact that you brought up Keanu Benton, I am so excited for Wisconsin football. Luke Fickle, every time he gets on a microphone, <laughs> I just get fired up. He was on the Wrestling Change My Life podcast what? last week. and Why? He's a, he's a three-time state champ in high school. Really? Yeah. Luke Fickle was not like, you know... It, we sell all the time, right? I'm a wrestling coach. We were trying to recruit kids, and we say, oh, it's good for football. Football coaches like wrestlers. Luke Fickle is not a football coach who likes wrestlers. Luke Fickle, if he wanted to, could have been, like, he could have been Team USA, like, wrestler. for wrestling. Like, he only, he didn't wrestle past high school, but if he wanted to, he could have went and wrestled college a lot of places. He could have made a serious run. Like, he's not just a football coach who was on JV as a freshman and then never wrestled again, but talks about how important it is. He, he walked the walk in wrestling. So I like that part. But aside from that, he just, it's so different from what we're used to. He's electric. Oh, yeah. Like he, the recruits, all that stuff has been awesome. Yeah. Cause Chris, I mean, he basically appreciate everybody and that's all he would say. Yeah. I appreciate the effort. I appreciate this. And it's like, okay, you're saying nothing. Yeah. Fickle. I mean, just look at what he's done. Like, they've brought in more four-star quarterbacks in the last two weeks than they've ever that ever been in the program. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. Fickle, um, yeah, Fickle's exciting. I was disappointed when Leonard didn't get the job, but I don't think he could have done this. Is any way of this. more than I expected. Right. I, I, I'm with you. Of like, oh man, Jim Leonard's out here, and who's this Luke Fickle guy? Like, mm-hmm. He didn't even really know who he was and then the more you read and the more he's doing these moves you're like this is the right guy in and an era of nal it makes a lot more sense why they did what they did all the stuff the and looking at like through. what these recruits are saying because i'm reading about what they're saying after they commit it's just as much as about fickle as it is about longo the guy they got from carolina yep. their offensive coordinator like they Who's know that longo? He, longo with longo? an l yeah it's a sweet offensive coordinator name. <laughs> He like they're basically saying like they got a like a four star tight end on Tuesday, and they're basically saying like yeah, tight end in the last offense is basically a glorified right tackle. Now we're actually gonna be able to catch the ball. Yeah, we're gonna they're gonna run a a spread offense, an air raid style offense now, which is and Braylon Allen's gonna get fifteen hundred yards doing nothing because he's gonna face five guys. Yeah, imagine that guy catching screens out of the backfield. Like, yeah. some of that kind of stuff. Or just not having nine guys in the box. Yeah. Every play. Think how good he was with nine guys in the box. <laughs> imagine when there's only five. What is he going to do? I mean, yeah. Yeah, That's it's exciting. Cool. We feel really good about it right now. Hopefully. I didn't it, know about this Longo thing. Like, this guy is, yeah. You just are you reading about him? him? He's like air raid. Yeah. He was at Ole Miss. Like, yeah. He's, he, he's also like the. Like, this is probably his last coordinator job. And there's a chance we only have him for a year, I think, or two. Potentially, but you could, if you can prove what you can do, but you know what I'm saying? then like, they can bring the next guy in and just this build is, on that. This is his last coordinator job. He is going to get a head job after this, <clears throat> probably. So that's how good of an offensive coordinator he is. So 
that's always a good mm-hmm. to have that guy on your staff that you know he is going to be gone soon. It sucks that he's going to be gone soon, but you know he's good if he's going to be gone soon, right? right? All yeah, right. You got to tell the big news. The big news. Yeah. Oh, on Friday. That's right. Last to, week, uh, uh, Friday. Big announcement. We had a uh, big, big thing happen for one of our colleagues here on the podcast. Max got a cat. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what did you name it, Max? I did not get it. That would be yeah, the last thing that would happen in my house. No, our own Bill Schomburg won Consultant of the Year from NAICC, which is the National Alliance of Independent Crop Consultants. So, congratulations, Bill. Thank you. That was pretty cool. Let's go. International Consultant of the Year. International. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Humble. How do you feel? Feel different? No. <laughs> no. Are you just holding a plaque? I got a plaque. It? You should make a belt out of it. Or plaque something. that luckily you did not get stopped in the airport for, though they may have looked at your bag a little longer. They did. Because well, of well, once they saw what it was for. They were right. like, like, oh, oh this sorry, sir. Yeah. Yeah. You get to go right through TSA <laughs> pre-check or whatever. Uh, right. Here, please, take this knife. <laughs> yeah. we're, sir, we're I, so did, happy. I didn't know who you were. <laughs> now you just go right through. They actually let him fly the plane, I heard. Yeah, that's... Yep. Cap- captain Bill. He is the captain. No, no, I'm good. <laughs> no, it was a good week. We had a good time at the convention and capped her off with a lunch. And yeah, we got to go to Nashville, which was uh, my first time there. I, Todd, I, I think I've you'd been, been there, there once but not, or twice. But yeah. did, did you guys go out on the town? Just yeah. once. Yeah, we went out one night and checked out downtown just, area. Well, what was your favorite place? We only went to we Alan Jackson. I thought the food stuff. we got was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Was... Where did you eat at? Uh, the place called the Stillery. Okay, they had like pizza and like home or in-house pizza, fire, wood fired. Uh, wood, yeah, it was wood, wood fired. fired. Or, yeah. It was behind you. You couldn't see the yeah. I couldn't wood see fire. I saw it because I was we, facing at the angle it. We were. We could watch them and like most of the time when they do wood fire pizza, they kind of burn the edges and it's. Mm-hmm. This was like the best done wood fire pizza. Yeah, they charred. No, it was very good. It was, Where good. It was like the pi- the pieces were cut weird dough. though. Yeah, they yeah. didn't do well, and the pizzas weren't circular. They, they were, were more oval, yeah. and so they oh. cut it kind of kind of like the topper sticks uh, size, like cut size or cut. They were just not in any. No, they were just different size. Like <laughs> there were two big like corner pieces on each end, and then you like, still got strips. to eat pizza. I guess. It was good. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was good. It was... Who who was the new up and coming artist that you got to see? Jared Ames. Jared. Free free ad there for that guy, I guess. And it's now in five years you can say I saw Jared Ames. I don't it? think his last name was Ames, but his first name was Jared. I everybody's I, I gotta don't remember, remember either. You just but gotta remember those guys you see in the, Nashville. The better was on the so we went to the Alan Jackson's bar and yep. Jared Ames was playing in his band. But like on the third level they were doing karaoke. Yeah. So they had a TV on the first level where we were. Showing. Play, showing the karaoke, that was we couldn't you know obviously hear it the bad singing but no it was funny to but watch. just watching the dancing they were doing like there was a couple doing summer loving from Greece oh. and the guys like we were trying to figure out like he's like doing jazz hands and turning in a circle like what could he possibly be singing and then they'd play the lyrics like or put the lyrics up on the screen like oh it's it's summer loving okay. That's why they really got all those people really got into it though. Like I've never been to a karaoke bar like that where people were just bought into giving her. Yeah, yeah. How many of those artists artists make it? Like, is it 
very little, or I'm sure it's a small percentage. Some of them were quite old too. At the same time, you're like, well, the we went to the, this person just is that their the gig hotel or? bar the second night, and that was somebody the a woman and a was it a full band or was it just like her with like a house? It was band? like a drummer and a, they, yeah. they kind of had. They were good though. They were very good. They were doing covers. It wasn't just country music. They were doing covers of everything. Like they did in the air tonight, Genesis. Like and the drummer nailed the but up but up but up. Yeah, like everybody was started clapping when he did, did that. So it was, it was cool. Did you see any known artists like surprise? No, no we didn't run into Alan Jackson in his bar or yeah. You just hear about people. They went to some bar on the strip in Nashville, and Luke Combs walks in and starts singing. I'm like, sure it's different when it's like seventy out versus yeah. thirty. Like, sure, these country stars probably have nicer places to be than. <laughs> It was just surprising. Like I've never been to Nashville before, but it was like you go down the strip and like there's a thousand bars and every bar had live music going. That was really cool to see. Yeah, it was well, almost like mile of music at Matt, at Appleton or right. a celebration, but that's just a random Thursday. But if you want to make it in music, right, that's, where, where, you you go. Go, that's where you go, is Nashville. Yep. It's like the the Vegas strip with all the lights flashing and everything too. Going on down with that line of bars. There's a festival that goes on here in Wisconsin now called Nashville of the North, hmm. and it's for, for up and coming artists. <laughs> but it's a I don't know one day, two day music festival. But Nashville of the North. Yeah, I think there was only one bar we walked by where it sounded like a cat maybe was getting strangled inside I, the bar. But well, that was what we were almost going to go into and like. Yeah, I don't need to hear this any louder than it is. Yeah, there's enough good music there. You don't need to struggle through some bad music. Right. But no, I mean, we had decent weather. It was, I think, other than one day, 50s during the day and probably like 30 at night. So it wasn't too bad to walk around for us Wisconsinites down there. You guys had your shorts on. (laughs) The people down there were probably cold, but for us it was like, oh, this is kind of nice. I still laugh every time I'm out of Wisconsin. And you go somewhere warm, like how much it, like when we were in Mexico, it was uh, one day the high was 70, 71, and there was a little bit of wind and everybody working around the pool and stuff had jackets on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, this is nice. We were swimming. Like yeah. we, we were enjoying ourselves. It was good. We had a good week. Glad to be home though. Yeah. And it was, just, it was good to come home and. Luckily, our flight, despite being delayed, still came in. We didn't get stranded in Nashville, so came back to some snow. The huge. All right, you guys ready to get into our topic for today? Let's go. All right, Max, this was your episode, so what do you got for our State of the Farm address here? All right, so the State of the Farm address. Um, I've never watched the State of the Union address, so I have no idea if this is what it's like, but I've heard of the State of, a, of the Union, so we're going to do the State of the Farm address. You have to say whether the State of the Farm is strong or... Bullish or bearish? Bullish, bearish. I'm going to say we, before we... we to sit behind Max? Like and clap? And clap the, when he yeah. says certain things and Ooh, not clap like when he does others. Stand up at random times and just... I'm going to... I'm going to say that the state of the farm is bullish. Mm-hmm. There's okay. opportunity. I'm not going to say it, everything's perfect, right? There's some, oh, there's, yeah. there's there's some things coming that maybe we don't love, but I think there's opportunity. So we'll start with the positives right away. We'll go into the, the, where, where we see the opportunity. So um, last night I, I went looking online, local, local prices for, for corn, corn, soybeans, and wheat. So... 
the clo- at the close yesterday in our local area you could sell corn for 626 a bushel that's pretty good that's pretty good yeah that's pretty good like pretty i said good. opportunity right soybeans uh 1442 a bushel and wheat 658 a bushel which wheat has been on a like tank lately if you listen to anything it's tanking it's tanking 658 <laughs> a bushel i remember when it was 3 you know yeah right and we hit a high of like 10 last year oh, yeah. or 11 so if, yes it's in, relative to its high it's low but it's still higher than what we would call average i guess yeah one thing to watch i know new crop so next year you know 2023 yep. crop corn down to 541 beans 1295 so still one of those things is you're locking in any any of your inputs right now all keep that in mind of what that new crop price is and i have a feeling that a lot of farmers aren't going to pull the trigger on that no right if you got profit you should but they should uh, but i'm just saying like the average farmer, I wonder, would if they would be like, "Oh, that's slow. Let's wait it out." And these prices are tough because you got a lot of politics in them. Is what I Absolutely. feel is the current most difficult part. Is you've got sort of the, the Ukraine war in these numbers. Mm-hmm. So what is tricky when I get you know you always get questions like, "What's it going to do? What's it doing?" Well, obviously it's showing that you know it's going to be going down here we don't know how much if it is going to go from the 626 to the 541 at corn but just um, anything political right now can has a lot of effect on these markets which well yeah makes saw- it harder to farm that way that's a tough that's always a tough thing when it politics are always in that number it just feels that it's in more because of there's a a war in a very big agriculture area we saw that especially in wheat last year where it was you know wheat kind of skyrocketed early and then by harvest it had toned down because nobody knew if they were gonna be able to get anything out of ukraine and then there were talks that they were gonna let shipments out so that kind of caused prices to move and so yeah i mean the new offensive could change it one way or the other you know could rocket back up early again and by harvest we may be looking at a downturn you know you never know what's going to happen Here's the here's the one thing to consider, um, especially with soybeans right now. Um, so the numbers out of South America that are coming back on their yields right now are pretty low, um, not not great. So right now demand is kind of going up. I mean, fifteen thirty four Chicago price on beans right now. That's that's you're making money on fifteen thirty four, mm-hmm. right? Well, they'd much they'd like to kind of get that price as low as they can and get guys selling now so i mean the new crop price being lower kind of makes sense because they right now we'd like to get every, if they could have it their way right it would be to get everything out of storage and get it sold because we're not going to be able to pull as much out of south america as we normally are so i think that's probably probably part of the equation there too so something to keep in mind like i said there's opportunity here right if you locked in all these prices today 541 1295 and 680 we it, we have pretty strong potential to make money, right? So that's where the we talk about opportunity. There, there it is. The South America crap is always tricky because, like, specific to Brazil, is their potential right now to set the record for crop. So that's always the toughest news, too. You know, like I said, even slightly political. You're saying there could be a Brazilian beans coming our way? Uh, so How many American is that? I don't know. How many Brazilian does it take to get to... Right, a it ton. could be a Brazilian. That was there's your terrible pun of the day. <laughs> um, okay, so we'll move on to the next part. 
these are some of the less enjoyable things to think about. But got to talk about them anyway. Interest rates. Um, so for April, um, April of 2022, for a farm operating loan direct was 2.75% interest. Pretty good. Not a bad number, right? Not a bad number. Now we switch to December of 2022, so nine, well, nine months later, right? Six months later, six I guess. months, six months later. Well. Sorry, eight, yeah. eight months, four and eight is we, twelve. Somewhere between six and twelve. All right, months later, <laughs> December 2022, a, a farm operating loan direct is five point one two five. So doubled. Yeah, doubled. Still not like a horrible number, right? We talk about. Years where it was nine, well, 10, it 11. Well, it shouldn't be a surprise. I mean, we were talking all year the Fed was raising rates, so you're going to see increases. It, it, it wasn't like it came out of nowhere. It was something we, we kind of knew was coming. So I, I think it is when it doubles, that's the factor is at the 2%. Honestly, I, in a way, you might as well call that zero. I'm, yeah. We don't, I don't think you'd ever see it under that. So then to jump to the five, it isn't it even isn't so much like is five bad. No, five is still a good number. It's just that we doubled. It's that it was so low before that, right. and then that's only six months of time that went by for it to do that. So that's an also difficult part is this is specific to operating loans. So last year, your operating loan, you're probably like, okay, I can handle some of these price increases, all that stuff, because my operating loan's still really cheap. This year, when you jump from 2% to 5%, that is a big jump and your operating loan is going to change. So how you make decisions when you buy, when you put stuff on that operating loan might have to change around that number because that, yeah, that's a big jump from where it was now. Is that probably where it should be or what's normal? Probably, but yeah, it's it's still just the, the sheer amount that it jumped. So... Yeah, so interest rates up for sure. We saw it coming. We knew it was coming. We were warned it was coming. Just when it gets here and you're actually paying the bill, it does kind of hurt the pocketbook a little bit. Um, moving to chemical, um, the good news is it seems like supply is freeing up a little bit. Um, but, but, and here's a big but, um, almost everything we've seen already on on our bids and and the talk is that everything is flat or five to ten percent higher this year um we've seen some numbers even higher than ten percent we've seen some random chem here and there that went up twenty percent for whatever reason um but in general i think chem is at is going to be that flat or a, a, a slight increase um but it doesn't, maybe a little bit. I mean, I mean, there's some rumors that dual is going to be a little hard to get. But otherwise, it sounds like things are going to be relatively normal um, on supply, which is good. This goes back to our episode of Whip Out Your Wallet for Weed Control. Yep. When we kind of talked, it was that 15% sort of average increase. Yeah. Um, some were way up, some were down. But it, it varies a lot by chem. And this does seem to be one of those years you should price out ingredients of the recipe and maybe change tweak your recipe a yep. little bit if you need be um but it isn't necessarily a supply issue which is good because those are even scarier when it's not that we don't know if we're gonna get it on everything i mean there's certain you know like you said liberty we got to watch the dual supply i think it's gonna be tight but most of it should be available for us i also know since we recorded that episode chem has come down in price and now has jumped again uh, <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. I, I do feel like, though, in, in the last month of doing this, helping guys price out chem that, I don't know if it's just me or if you guys are seeing it too, but 
more suppliers are looking at other options. It's not just the old blanket, oh, we're going with Acuron and that's it. I feel like we're looking at other options. Maybe it's because we got a newer player in our neighborhood that's There's been really some pushing. There's like putting Zidua in the mix on corn. Just, that's changed things right. too. Like there's a few different. I, I, what I would agree with you that there's been more options, which is a good thing. And, and here's part of what I see as the issue is some of these blanket programs like Acuron, right, maybe weren't getting the control that they were a while ago. So we've been adding stuff, right? We've been throwing in a little of this or throwing in a little of that to try and work it. And eventually you kind of say, well, why are we putting all the money into one? Mi- let's just make our own if we're changing it so mm-hmm. much anyway. Let's let's put exactly what we want in. And I think that's actually been a good thing. And we've pivoted and hopefully hopefully we see some actual improvement in weed bank too right we can by changing chems around and doing some of that stuff that's always a good thing so well with chemical and fertilizer as we get to planting season and i don't mean just around here but you know by february end of february that's usually when texas and some of those areas are starting to put things in the ground that was the best last week matt when we were chatting with the guys from louisiana and they're like yep we're gonna be planting corn in two weeks in two weeks like it just it hits you and you're like whoa like, yeah, we're we're not out for two months yet, at least. And they won't be getting, planting No, right. So supply changes. April first. April first. Right. That's what I mean. Corn. We're like three months out, and they're like getting ready to go. Right. Like, woo. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's. So I mean, supply changes will affect all that as things kind of jump into gear. Even though it, you know, we're not planting, other places are. That means chemicals getting used. It's getting shipped out so then the next thing um to consider um seed so seed prices up this year i don't know if you guys every everything i've priced has been up um corn you know a lot like 20 bucks a bag has kind of been pretty standard for most most stuff obviously if last year you planted an am and this year you're planting the brand new bavalta you know maybe maybe you saw a little more than 20 dollars increase in your corn seed but a 20 dollar you know um, if you're comparing, you know, apples to apples, oranges to oranges, around a twenty dollar bag um, on, on corn seed, but thirty to forty is not un, unheard of for sure. Um, so, seed corn seed prices up when you when on twenty dollars a bag, you're only looking at twelve dollars an acre. I mean, right? So it's not not crazy crazy different, but something to consider. But when everything else is up, that's just one more thing, yeah. right, to add on and to that, the mix. And that's the problem is... One, and the seed never goes down, really, so it doesn't feel like it now. No, fertilizer and chem are an up-and-down market. It, it kind of... Right, a lot more volatile than... Or I shouldn't say volatile, but a lot more movement than... We the ba- the basement usually. just continues to move up on seed. The basement will never be lower. It'll never be lower than it is now, right? right? It just Right, keeps. there were days like, oh, I ain't paying more than $100 a bag. I ain't doing that. Yeah. Now it's like... Now we're just trying to get everything under three hundred if right. we can. You know, yep. If you can find it under two hundred, you got a great. You're getting really good deals and and stuff like that. So, for premier genetics, of course. So what what's the future? Um, the one thing that I did not include a huge section on because it is the most volatile thing I think in our market is fertilizer. And I'm not gonna. If I could sit here and tell you what fertilizer is going to be in a month, I would no longer be an agronomist. I'd be on a beach somewhere, right? If I could predict fertilizer markets like that. You would be. So I didn't put it in as its own section, but it probably should be talked about fertilizer volatility. The current thought, I think the, the overwhelming majority thinks 
it's going to go down from where it is today. Um, how much? Mm, that's suspect. And you got to remember, it doesn't really matter that the barge in New Orleans is trading lower today than it was two months ago. The co-ops have all bought their fertilizer. They're not going to take a loss just because the barges are lower. Um, they're going to sell the product they have for the price that they have. It. They had to pay for it. And then after that. We've once- seen that locally, though. We've had one outfit that didn't buy Yep. And they can sit at the market right now and they're they're a hundred to a hundred and twenty dollars a ton cheaper than the folks that did buy last fall. Yeah. I yep. think you'll continue to see what the experts were saying is just continue to see some softening till March and then when the in season stuff picks up, who knows, you know, bets are off again of availability it, and it, and then that has to do with price. But we have seen it soften, mm-hmm. which is good. So it's you know, especially potash has come down. The, the last big projection from this guy who knows everything about the markets, and I smile as I say it, was we're gonna it's gonna soften a little more here, and then it's gonna table, and it's not yeah. gonna go up or down. It's just gonna hold. And he he actually predicted a hold through like October. So he he, he kind of predicted at the end of March we'll kind of see our price, and that'll be our price from March through at least the end of October was his latest you know latest and greatest model. And prediction, which I guess, like I said, nobody actually knows. So take it, take that for what it's worth. Um, another thing that we have no control over, um, we can kind of see where it is, but we really have no control is the weather. Um, right now, we're we were somewhat droughty at the end of the year, and we're having a dry winter for the most part. Um, we're pretty light on snow, um, so I guess I don't see the drought getting a whole lot of relief if if the pattern continues. Um, yeah, it seems like it's really the storm systems we're ge- we're getting, and not necessarily in our area, but the storm systems moving through. But it's a lot of water really fast, so it's either running off or not, you know, going in. Or you're in the situation like we are, where you're not getting as much precipitation, and so it's not really adding much to the bank either way. We don't realize how much we gain we can gain on the drought in the winter. Like I think that's something we forget. Right. We can actually make huge improvements on the drought monitor in the winter, and we are not currently. So um, not just in our area, but a lot of the planes are not gaining right now on the drought monitor. So something to keep keep, keep considering. Um, here's some of the wild cards that, that are kind of being thrown in. Um, carbon programs, are those the next big thing? Is that the next way for us to make money? I don't know if we have any carbon markets that are going to be live this year. I think on a beta basis, probably a little bit. Well, they're they're live, they're live well, but I should say large scale carbon no, markets. This was large money. No, yeah, we yeah. talked about it last week. I mean, they're from yeah, these guys sat in a bunch of meetings on that. Stuff. Yeah, from this year to next year, they're not really. We're not going to see a lot of traction there. There was a guy from Inigo that it was within the next five years that it was going to start going up, mm-hmm. but as it sits right now, it's not really. It's questionable how profitable that really is. If we're still in the Wild West, there's still a lot of things to figure out. Hey, um, still a lot of cans going for that same cookie jar. So five years ago, it was CBD, man. Remember right. hemp, hemp and CD, CBD yeah. were going to save the farm industry five years yep. ago, and then we were like, "Wait a second, this takes more labor than what we have currently. No chance." So. This is one of those things. This is carbon, something to watch, but yeah, not to bank, not to 
put your whole farm. I, I wouldn't be betting the farm right. on the carbon market saving you. So, uh, will will automation a save me money and b take care of my worker shortage issue? Um, automation takes a step forward every year. We talk study on this podcast about this new planter that's automated, this new sprayer that's automated, this new drone that's automated, this, you know, um, obviously we've kind of automated milking if you want to. Right. Um, well, it, you know, it's a long-term, short-term thing. Uh, you know, in the short-term, it's more expensive to get going, but in the long-term, probably going to save you the money. So are we, do we have anything that we feel really confident in on automation aside from milking and feeding? Crickets. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to automate crickets. Yeah. No, I mean the tractor push is kind of starting to come, but it's still It'll not. Come. That's going to take. Yeah, it's going to take a while. Take, yeah. Honestly, like forty to fifty year outlook, because guys like driving tractors. So yeah, what you know, we're going to have to. Well, guy, you know, guys like being around the cows too. But at uh, some point, they had to say, "I can't milk cows every right, day yeah, by myself." Saying, well, the similar thing will happen with automation. I I think there's a lot coming with that. With that four row planter we talked about, where it kind of just plants itself sitting in a cab in a comfortable seat is way different than bent over <laughs> trying to put yeah. milk you know the milkers on teats and yeah and now i think we'll see a hybrid first which we already kind of have is it's yeah. all auto steer so we'll see a guy still in the cab but he's he's managing and i would agree with matt on that is in general i mean i've both driven tractor and milk cows and I don't mind milking cows, but it's way harder work than driving a tractor. Here's the automation that I see. The most, most, what's going to be most current, or I should say short-term automation is going to be more uh, milking robots. We just, farm size is growing. And these guys with 70 cows that want to go to 150, it, at, it makes more sense to put in robots than it does to build a parlor. One of my favorite quotes, and I can't remember who said it, is still... Yeah, robots are expensive, but I've never had to pull a drunk robot out of the ditch. Yeah, it's a great. It's like <laughs> it's a hundred percent true. I two years ago I did go to a conference, um, and we went to we did a farm visit, and I visited a brand new two hundred stall tie stall barn. Yeah, and I was wow. I could not. Did you I check the temperature of the farmer to see if they I were, could had not, a fever? I could not for the life of me figure out why you would build a 200-stall tie-stall barn brand new. But, hey, that's uh, that was his choice, I guess. But I think that's probably the biggest automation we're going to see is some of these smaller farms getting a little bit bigger to help them survive a little bit and, and adding robots versus putting in a parlor because the workforce just continues to go down. And I will say right now there's a couple situations, and I can't remember who I was talking to last week about this, but... Even the combination of not entirely getting rid of the parlor, but having you know robots, adding on robots, but keeping the parlor is is kind of a good move right now. Versus building a bigger parlor or a new parlor, and that just comes from training cows and getting cows through the robots. The ones that don't want or like the robots, then at least you're not trying to cull the herd. You can manage them in the old parlor, and, and that seems to be a pretty good strategy for expanding it. You're right, right now. Matt, as we've seen this hybridization where you got both like. We're going to be working with robots, but a lot of them you're seeing going to farms are either pre-dip or post-dip robots that yep. can do one of the things in that lineup, and then you know you have a human in there because a lot of times you need a human to manage those robots anyway. So it's I think you'll see it kind of that sort. But of instead of needing six people to milk, you need two. Right. Right. right? Yeah, it's making it a lot more efficient, even with some aspects of both. So. 
My point, my, I guess uh, at the end of the day, the point is I think automation right now in the, in the current state of things, it's more on the milk inside than it is on probably on the crop side. In the current, like in the next year, you'll see more that way versus the other. But anyway, um, big one that we've spent a lot of time on this winter, a lot of farm meetings, we've had this, this uh, conversation. Can biologicals change my farm's fiscal outlook? Um, it's a big question. It's a loaded question, to say the least. Fully loaded. It's um, yeah, that's a tough, one. that's a tough one. Um, but I guess if you want to simplify it, our biologicals is that the next step in crop production to be more profitable? And mm, again, I still don't want to answer that question <laughs> with a blanket statement. Um, I'll I'll throw out a statement on these: is that they will change agriculture, but there's going to be. 95 to 98 percent of them that are garbage not that yeah. we, we think do something and then they get in the soil and they don't work but there'll be some that hey, are when snake oil goes on sale I, there's lots of salesmen right, right? Mm-hmm. no and and so the research on these is going to be very important which i would say most of these companies unfortunately we've had heard some of these companies are reducing the amount of research they're going to do but that's a big part is just doing the research on them, making sure they do what we think. And then the other part I think you're going to see is there's certain areas at certain times that, that, that we're going to have to find more of a predictor of when they work. So you're actually going to take a test of your soil, look at your current biology. Okay, here's what i got to add to get this biology. But Just the, a blanket, the, like let's just put it out on every acre. Oh, no. That I, isn't the answer, and, right? And, and we're going to look Let's years do from now. test strips. <laughs> But even test strips aren't necessarily going to work as far as, like, you're going to have to have some pretty intense on-farm data gathering. Right. It's going to depend on what of, biological you're looking at, what what the goal of the biological is. Right. Well, let's, let's, and, let's be real. We use a biological all the time on the farm. Right. Manure. Yes. Yeah. Like, we have Oh, Todd, you just, you just opened a can of worms you do not want to open. So what I'm saying is, is, like, you got that All our listeners' minds are just blown. <laughs> I mean, we've done biologic. They've done biologicals forever. Yeah. Like, do they work? Yes. So it's more of what we're going to laugh 20 to 50 years from now is where we're at currently with the technology and what we thought was a thing and what it can do and how we use it. I, I, I think we're just like such at the tip of the iceberg of this thing. It's, it's unreal. Like, yeah. And I, I don't know do. that's, yeah, you're right. Not necessarily test strips, but you know, have comparison acres at least where you're, you're running. Cause I've, I've had a couple guys do this where, okay, these acres are going to be this biological and these acres aren't just to see how it, it compares, you know, it, obviously as close together as possible. So that you're not having to compare apples to oranges, but it's still, yeah, again, another thing that not the whole farm, not, you know, not a, a all in type situation yet. I, um, I guess my next, my next, Except for qu- manure. <laughs> my next question, I do have a farm that challenges me on this every time we sit down. What is the next niche? If I say that correctly, the next niche to cash in on. So what are we going to do? Um, different that's going to make us more money than everybody else. What What is our little market? I got deep diving the other day on the internet, and I found a guy. Were you on a Reddit, Max? Is I got like deep in ag Reddit, yeah. and, uh, and there's a guy who says, the, the future is the past. Small bales are coming back. <laughs> <laughs> you can make good money on he small bales. Great horse is. He said, 
Um, landscaping's at an all-time high for demand. Horses are at an all-time high for demand. And he said all these people um, are buying, like, which I this argument is a little silly to me, but it was there. All these people are buying one or two steers, and they need feed. Well, even chickens, and I mean, I yeah, don't need uh, chickens. Don't need hay. Right? No, not really. But, but straw. It just they but with a the bit. but just a way to small scale sell some of that stuff. Right. Yeah. And everybody wants to know where their their food comes from, right? So, if, oh, I got my steer here. I know my beef comes from my little steer here. Yep. That, uh, and I think we've seen it a little bit with these. And I don't know how profitable they really are because I don't run one. But you know, the, the on farm market, yeah. Side of things where you're you're running something, whether it's on the weekend or a few hours a day, trying to sell directly to that consumer that wants mm-hmm. to know where their food's coming from, and <clears throat> ask questions and things that they're not comfortable doing in a regular grocery store because there's nobody there that they see has those answers necessarily. Max, that's a great niche idea, but I don't think it changes. I mean, that's always been profitable. If that makes it, we. Right. We, Matt, well, I had a guy that would do small square straw bales. Remember, and he, and he was yep. And you would uh, t- drive him to the hardware guy, store and and drop him off. Drop and him you off. Could sell yep. him for five bucks a bale oh. a long time ago. Yep. And, and so the part I laugh about, not laugh, but with all these things, is like a small square bale is more labor than a large square bale. Right. So how much of it are you just getting paid? I'm not saying this is the next niche market. I'm no. just saying this is one of the ones I found the other day. Right. Which or a. Yes, we've always known that small squares make money, right? But they're more labor. But this dude was like, nope, small squares are the future of farming. We are going back to the beginning. And I was like, well, damn. Let's take it easy here, big shooter. That's a, as, we, as we complain day in and day out about the labor shortage, we think small squares are going to be what saves farming. I, I think with agriculture, the interesting thing is there's always so many little niches you can get into. And that... You know, you almost have to test the waters with what market's going to work here versus what might work somewhere else. Yeah. Because, you know, we talked a few years ago, you look at Gabe Brown's book and they were, their their eggs were $6 a dozen. Well, now all eggs are $6 a dozen. So are they charging 12? Now that market probably is maybe slowed down a little bit, but. That's one thing I think on Gabe's Brown's book that really it showed you really do as a farm. If you don't want to just be selling commodity, then you got to find a niche. Like pick one, pick. Yep. And what he did is just did every niche right. There thing was a seen. lot of different ones. You can make honey. You know, but, start getting. But bees. even those, they all require a lot more labor, right? To make that product. So what I would say too, if you're a farm, it'd be it'd be picking one or two niche things. That's like like you say the small square things. I, that's a good idea if you had the right labor and wanted to do it. Yeah, you'd make money. I I used to work with a guy, and he's um he's retired now, but he used to. I never understood why he always wanted to grow rye over winter wheat. He always wanted rye. And finally one day I said, "Why? Why what is the deal with rye?" And it was because he was selling all his rye straw to I believe it was an elk farm and he said that the elk the guy who he was selling it all to said the elk like the the rye straw works better. better than anything else. So he'll pay more to get rye straw. And that's what this guy, we grew rye. We grew 120 acres of rye because that's what this other elk farm wanted. And it was silly. Like, Well, and that's like Todd was talking about that guy that we know that did the small squares. You can find you can find a hardware store that will buy your straw bales. Sure. M- making straw bales is probably the best way to go. But Walmart not everyone's going to have that. Walmart is selling like micro straw bales. Like yep. oh, the size of little, ones, little yeah. ones. Like 
six by four by fours for like eight bucks. Like, I ha- I went and bought my grandma. She had to have they. I had to go to Country Vision C store in De Pere and buy two bales of straw there, and it killed me to do it because I said, you know how many farms I work, I could get you straw for nothing. For nothing. We we always buy it at Country, and I'm like, all right, all right. But whoever Country Visions is buying it from, they're making money because they're selling it for like nine bucks a bale. It's twenty bucks for two bales, you know. So it's it's a good reason to talk to your neighbors, to talk to people around you, and pe- let people know what you do on your farm because that's how you're going to find that niche. A lot of times is like the elk farm; they probably just ran into each other somewhere, or they knew each other from something, and like, hey, can you do this? And like, sure. Because it might seem silly what you're doing, but if somebody wants it, that's how you might market. So now I'm going to ask all of you to give me your best sports, uh, what, I don't know what you call them, sports commentator. These guys who have the hot, the hot takes, the, the crazy outlandish takes. What's your, what's your prediction for ag in the next five years? Give me your best Stephen A. impression. I thought you were going to ask us to do it. Aaron our, to Tampa Bay. Oh, yeah. sorry. Ag, not Aaron. Sorry. <laughs> Tom Brady coming out of retirement, retirement to play for the Packers. Yeah, one of those. Give that, me one of those. That would be quite the swap, wouldn't it? Rodgers to Tampa, Brady here. And he'd win. <laughs> he'd find a way. Yeah. You can't put us on the spot like this. I Max. started with small square. Small squares are going to save egg. So. Oh, that was your <laughs> prediction? Your That's your hot take? Oh, I brought that one to the table. It wasn't exactly mine, but I brought it to the table. So I got your. I should have got your brain... Your brain churning a little bit. I'll, 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 here, I'll give mine. Carbon market is dead in five years. That's mine. That's probably true. Carbon market is. It's not even a. It's not even a discussion anymore. It's just I gone. Like these hot takes. So you just get to say anything, and nobody holds. <laughs> nobody cares. No accountability. No. But if it does happen, then Max could be Max Dramas. Max Dramas. Yep. It's not really that hot of a take. So that's how prediction I, works. You just I, say so many things that eventually one thing's got to be right, right? Yeah, that is how it works. Cover crops will consume every acre of landscape. <laughs> you're you you're planning on a lot of farms losing their grandpa in the next five <laughs> years. <laughs> Jeez, owl bell. Every major sports figure in the next five years will own farmland at some point that's the way it's trending <laughs> they will be they will rival bill gates as owners of farmland these, these the sport years. these athlete groups coming together to buy farmland right. is pretty nuts that that goes into mind corn will be back at four bucks in five years it'll it'll be back down i because we're in this vogue period of like mm-hmm. just back to 2012 when it hit like this and we got this hit of like, oh, you know, agriculture is the next thing. And then we got real estate investment trust, the REIT thing. And, uh, you know, and then we saw it kind of level back out for basically 10 years around that yep. three, four buck range. So I, I unfortunately think it'll drop, but I think margins hopefully will still stay strong enough to keep guys in it. But yeah, I, I, I think we'll be at a new level, which is good. You know, you're not going to hopefully see back down where we're at two bucks forever on corn. But yeah, I, that's that's my hot take, Max. Not not necessarily a good one. All right, so there you go. There's our state of the farm, where things are at as far as prices for commodities, where we see them going, interest rates, chemical, seed. Obviously, there's lots of inputs uh, to consider as you're 
looking forward to the 2023 season, but just remember to keep a level head. Now we'll go into our spotlight for today. All right, our spotlight today, Growmark is acquiring Allied Seed. So I, looking here, the announcement came. So Allied Seed is based in Nampa, not Napa, Nampa, Idaho. Uh, they offer a full line of forage, turf grass, and cover crop seed in addition to customs production, blending, packaging, and seed treatment services. So they are the recognized leader in production and distribution of high-quality seed, according to Growmark Vice President of Seed Keith Lawson, and they are a key supplier for Growmark Systems, so the acquisition makes sense. Uh, estimated 20 million acres were planted with cover crops in the U.S., in 2020, according to the University of Missouri Center for Regenerative Agriculture, a new USDA conservation program is expected to increase this number to 30 million acres by 2030. Roadmark must agree with Bill's hot take. A lot more the cover crop cover acres, crops. so they're doubling down on Looking the Looking on cover crop seed. So there you go. Now we'll move into our spotlight for today. Hey, kiss you a minute. Boy, I am... You are off today, man. Not having a good day. Let's let's pretend I didn't say that and go into our egg history minute. So today we're talking about ethanol. Ethanol's first use was to power an engine in 1826. And in 1876, Nicholas Otto, inventor of the modern, modern four-cycle internal combustion engine, used ethanol to power his early engine. Ethanol was used as a lightning fuel in the 1850s, but its use curtailed when it was taxed as liquor to help pay for the Civil War. Ethanol used a fuel, or used as a fuel, continued after the taxes repealed and fueled Henry Ford's Model T in 1908. First, ethanol blended with gasoline for use as an octane booster occurred in the 1920s and 30s, and it was in high demand during World War II because of fuel shortages. Today's ethanol industry began in the 1970s when petroleum-based fuel became expensive and environmental concerns involving leaded gasoline created a need for octane. Corn became the predominant feedstock for ethanol production because of its abundance and ease of transformation into alcohol. Federal and state subsidies for ethanol helped keep the fuel in production when ethanol prices fell with crude oil and gasoline prices in the early 1980s. This also helped spawn the Minnesota model for ethanol production, in which farmers began producing ethanol to add value to their corn. The Minnesota model was an agreement between local public and private parties to work to keep profits in the community by providing jobs and the economic benefits associated with population and adding value to agricultural products with, while strengthening rural communities. Ethanol's use as an oxygenate to control carbon monoxide emissions encouraged increased production of the fuel through the decade and into the 1990s. And obviously, we still have ethanol production going on. It's ebbed and flowed over the years as corn prices rose and fell. and So it's still around, but interesting to see how, how deep back ethanol really does go. No, it's still around for a lot. I mean, 45% right. of the total corn goes to ethanol. So yep. it's still 
big, big player, and it is wild to think that basically, you know, what would have been Henry Ford's first car ran on ethanol. You know, mm-hmm. people always think of it. Right. Do you think it was just gas because we're so used to using gas? Yeah. Good. Thank you, Matt. And thank you to our listeners out there. We appreciate you. Just please tell a farmer friend about the podcast. Tell them to search Till Talk Radio and Apple Podcasts or on Android. Download an app like Podcast Attic, Podbean, or Player FM. You can also listen on your computer or smartphone browser. Go to tiltagcom slash podcast. We're also available on Amazon Music, and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilt Talk Radio. There you'll see Bill's big photo from winning yeah. uh, the big old plaque you got. Shaking the hand of the president. Yeah. Was Not up the president the, of the United States. But. On the Facebook feed. <laughs> Any ICC. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Todd. Now it's time for some cool beans. That's corny and current events. So cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. All right, our cool beans this week ties into our Ag History Minute. United Airlines taps corn to bring ethanol-based jet fuel to the market. I think in the past we've talked soy-based, and now looking at corn-based ethanol. So United Airlines is teaming up with a corn ethanol maker in a bid to ramp up production of green jet fuel to help deal with carbon credits and climate change. So United Airlines Holdings Incorporated Biofuels producer is Green Plains, Inc., and energy infrastructure firm Tallgrass Energy Partners, LP, all joining together, investing $50 million to form Blue Blade Energy. The venture seeks to bring market technology that would simplify making sustainable aviation fuel, or SAF, from ethanol and other alcohol-based ingredients, also known as feedstocks. I'm all bo- on board with a bourbon plane. Can power that <laughs> thing with some bourbon, take a shot for the... Pilot, Would maybe not. Well, maybe that's pilot, <laughs> for you, for me. Ah, the they don't even fly that thing anyway. <laughs> so yeah, it's interesting to uh, to see that move as we increase the the desire for the quote unquote sustainable fuels. And yeah, they're planning to United plans to buy as many as two point seven billion gallons of the fuel. A lot, so it's quite a few trips to Nashville, right there. <laughs> All right, our that's corny this week. The U.S. has rejected Mexico proposals on GMO corn trade, so Mexico has failed to satisfy grave concerns the United States had over potential ban on imports of U.S. grown GMO corn, according to trade officials on Monday of last week. We made it clear today that if this issue is not resolved, we will consider all options, including taking formal steps to enforce our rights under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. So the ban would take effect in January of 2024. So we still have the rest of 23 here to kind of figure things out and hopefully gain some traction in those talks. This kind of sounded like, when I read some more stuff about this, this was like the 11th hour for a peaceful resolution. Right. That's the that's kind of the crappy part. So like, that's not happening, basically, or what? Kind of. Okay. Like, it's going to get, um, I don't know, legal, if that's the right word, because countries getting legal with each other, but... It's going to get ugly now. It's going to get a little more like, no, you're going to do what we say, and that's how this is going to go, versus trying to come up with a, something that makes both sides happy. Um yeah. Yeah, usually when you have to call in the 
trade agreement and reading the fine print, that's when things start to get a little so uglier. The old NAFTA, I don't believe it's called NAFTA anymore. No, that changed under President Trump, then it became the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. Yeah, so it's no longer NAFTA, but basically that kind of treaty, I guess, they pulled that. Once you start pulling your uh, country agreements, that's kind of a bad sign. So Yep. So hopefully things will turn around on that, but right now things aren't looking great, so... Now we'll wrap it all up with our Field Good Friday. And this week we're looking at uh, a crowdfunding source that we haven't talked about for a while. I'm, I mean, it's still around, but there's lots of different ones. GoFundMe is the more more common one these days, it seems. But Kickstarter has helped launch a small Pennsylvania dairy farm. So Michaela Faison, or Fasone, I'm not sure how to pronounce that one, Graduated from Penn State, she stepped into a management position at her family's 100-year-old central New Jersey dairy farm. She's, it's got to be Fasone. I was going to say yeah, Fasone. If it's Jersey, yeah. Um, Michaela Fasone. Uh, she served as the fa- farm's herdswoman and managed on-farm agritourism, including annual summer camp for three years. Then, with a dairy legacy that spans five generations, Fasone who is 28, was ready to branch out on her own and create a dairy farming lifestyle that spoke to her. And that's when she created a Fresh Start Farm in Pipersville, Pennsylvania, which is a suburb of Philadelphia. Uh, She made a fresh start in making a dairy that allowed her to balance her passions of cattle selling raw milk and people. So she wanted to separate herself from the family farm, but also wanted to keep farming and working with animals in particular dairy cows. So this felt more in line with her thoughts and using Kickstarter, her plans capture the neighbor, the attention of her neighbors and kind of helped her get going. She set a goal of 15,000 to help her purchase equipment for milking and fences, uh, which she felt was achievable. And in the end she received over $17,000 for her enterprise. Donors. Is this one of those trick ways around the raw milk rules? I know they have a there's a there's a deal in Pennsylvania that you can sell okay. raw milk with a, p- permit. with a permit. So selling raw yeah. milk is illegal in Pennsylvania, but you can sell raw milk with a permit. Permit, sure. Okay, I just thought maybe it was like a way around the you know like sure if you have investors and right and, then, and if like, you're an investor get you get milk. the yep yeah but, yep we've yeah. seen that yeah in other spots but yeah so it was interesting. Here's your niche market. Yeah, raw is. milk. I was trying to see, did anybody see how many cows she had? I was trying um, to find that number. It did, that's why I thought it was weird it didn't say. It six. So, okay, I was assuming yep, it was there not it is. a lot. So Fresh Start is home to six cows, which are half Holstein, half Brown Swiss. So you're getting a little... Uh, that's some, some cream in there. Some cream in that, that milk and some probably very foolish, foolish calves. <laughs> <laughs> I I do not care for Brown Swiss calves. I've I've worked with them in the past. They are... I call them uh, foolish because they don't tend to like to drink. They they don't like to wean off of the the bottle very easily. And uh, you know, nutrition's a, important. And if you can't figure out how to take a drink, they're a half a foolish. step up from a jersey. Well, jerseys are just jerks. Yeah, and short, which makes them hard to deal with. But yeah, yeah jerseys got like short man syndrome. Right, <laughs> they have a chip on their shoulder. <laughs> Look at it, the picture though. I think it's like three Holsteins and three Brown Swiss, because in the 
in the window behind her, there's a definite brown Swiss and like a definite Holstein. So I don't know. If yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That one picture like, is hundred percent brown Swiss. So you get this sort of half and half. Hey, there's a there's a dairy not far from us here that's yeah. the same kind of setup. They don't sell raw milk. The, the Guernsey Girls. Yep. But they have they kind of created their own their own little deal, and I think they only have six cows. I mean, they're not milking a ton, but they're milking enough to. I mean, the milk is delicious. The milk is delicious. I'll give them that. Is it good? Is it good? Yeah, it's very good. We're gonna do blind taste test, Max. We're doing it. Gonna get. We gotta do Lamer's glass bottles versus Ooh. that. Versus I do like. Because I did. Are we gonna get the plastic bottle Lamer's to see if you can tell the difference between I, the plastic I, and glass bottle? I've done it and I can't. I thought I could. <laughs> but I'm still can't. telling you, you may not be able to tell the difference. It's how cold you can get it. That's right. the difference. They say the glass bottle keeps it colder. Right. You can get it colder. That's the mm-hmm. that's the key. Yeah. And cold milk, nobody wants warm milk. I mean, it's the French. Bleh. Only if you're trying to get to sleep, I guess. Everybody says Even, I, well, ne- okay. I never understood that. Hot chocolate. I prefer my hot chocolate with milk. Sure. So that's that's one form of warm milk that I, I can stand behind. But even that, I'll tell you, with hot chocolate, when you make it with milk, I can drink it when it's piping, piping hot. When it gets that lukewarm, I'm out again. <laughs> it's, if it's hot. Sure. It's got to be hot, hot, you know, hot, hot. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. So today we talked about the state of the farm, looking at some of the inputs and interest rate prices around currently. Spotlight, we talked about Growmark acquiring Allied Seed. Ag History Minute, we talked about the history of ethanol. Cool Beans, is United Airlines also bring, looking to tap corn as a sustainable air fuel base? That's corny is U.S. and Mexico right now not agreeing on GMO corn trade. And our Field Good Friday was how Kickstarter helped launch a small Pennsylvania dairy farm. So thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.